0: Bye. back we've had ourselves a little break but we're roaring and ready to go again for the final straight of let me tell you something as we've entered the final decade of this series at least at the point that we would finish it and then we'll have to figure out what we want to do with our 2020 vision going forward but for now it's the 2010s and that wasn't Arthur Fonzarelli you just heard it was my let me tell you something co-host Simon Cross and Simon what a match we're about to cover today We've already predicted that this will probably be our longest episode uh, so far I wouldn't be surprised if it was our longest episode all, or, ever we might we might hit a brick wall and not want to talk about it because it's maybe not only one of the biggest five-star matches of all time but one of the maybe the most important match culturally for the modern landscape of pro wrestling. Where mm. are we? How long have we been waiting for this five-star match, and what is it?
1: Okay, so we are in Chicago, Illinois, at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Five years after our last five-star match, looking at John Cena versus CM Punk for the WWE Championship.
0: A pretty famous match, I think you would agree, wouldn't you, Simon? (laughs) Yes, yes. And a match I actually um, sat up and watched live. Mm. I'm Um, trying to think of some of the various uh, historical significances to this match. But I think maybe one of the most important ones is this is the first match we're covering since you and I would have met for the first time. Like we were in each other's social orbits by this point. Yes, no, very true. Um,
1: So what, I'd have been, I'd have just completed my first year of university at this point, Mm. at the time of recording. Uh, The uh, the match went out.
0: Yeah, so we would have been really... So by that point... Okay, I think we've talked about this already, but basically we became friends through uh, uh, an improv comedy group that was being run in Bedworth. I lived in Birmingham, Simon lived in Nuneaton. For my sins. So we both took a little bit of a commute to get there. Uh, Simon was one of a, a, a large number of young lads and ladies, all very loud and confident and unaware of what (laughs) shit <laughs> 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 jesus oh oh good lord i'm right though aren't i well <laughs> <laughs> and i was a man in my mid 20s at that point well i don't know about a man but i was an individual in their mid 20s at that point <laughs> um and one of the and we, you know we just I, I really enjoyed the time there it's it's one of my fondest memories the um those monday evenings where we would meet up and and have a lot of fun for the most part, unless some people were in a bad mood, you know, or one person decided to, one barefooted person decided to take upon himself to uh, antagonize several people. (laughs) We're not going to name names because they won't mean anything to anyone listening. But um, That's deep inside joke. And it's also the first post-Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, the show, uh, pro uh, episode, uh, match we're covering as well. And that was when I realised you were quite the wrestling fan, because you went to um, the first ever preview, the first ever performance of a show called Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan in this little Bedworth Arts Centre. And there's a bit where I was reading off all the different Intercontinental Champions, and I couldn't remember one. And you came up to me afterwards and told me which one you thought I'd forgotten, which was wrong, by the way. I think you said, like, Steve Blackman. And I got, like... A little bit angry, but also in a way, ah, this like kid knows who Steve Blackman is. I must talk to him about <laughs> <laughs> other things. And like you say, soon after that, you you headed off for university. So it was weird. It, it went from like half of the whole group being like loud, confident, brash, seventeen, eighteen-year-olds with the whole lives ahead of them. To them all, almost disappearing overnight because <laughs> they all went. So many of them went to universities outside of
1: like uh, a reverse Logan's
0: Run, I guess so. Yeah, um, but we kept in touch, and you didn't. You, you came to a few improv stuff, but you didn't really do that. Yeah. much after, I mean, I mean, you stayed in um, the East Midlands, really, didn't you? After that, yep, um, kicking it so, east side. So, so yeah, that's that's sort of where we were. So you know, the the, the uh, kindlings of what will become uh let me tell you something were being gathered together at that point yes seeds had been sown yes and um and so are the seeds of so much of what is now a current wrestling were being sown as well because like i said i think this is the most important match as far as what the so much of the modern culture of wrestling and just this um I don't think it necessarily led to an increase in that many people watching wrestling or returning to wrestling again. At least that's not what the stats would suggest. Yeah. But what I think it did show was the strength in numbers that we might have held of a certain culture of wrestling fan that hadn't been... Recognised. Or hadn't almost solidified into, like, this massive humanity that now it's like
1: a unit like into a single unity with yeah, a single yeah. or at least the so perception
0: so. of it being a single unity of, of perception also this is coming around the time very significantly that twitter was starting to take off social media was uh, in a new uh, generational change you know you had had facebook yeah. and then twitter was taking off i remember th- the key thing i remember about this is obviously it all relates to the pipe bomb promo and that's what made this such an important match i, I think it was What, 15 days before Money in the Bank Punk did that promo? Yes. I think it was that 15 days. Because I think he only did... Because then he wasn't on screen for the next week. Because he was suspended. And then they did the contract signing with uh, Vince McMahon. Okay,
1: I think there may be a week gap. Um, I think it might have been three weeks. might have been.
0: But because it, it was the yeah.
1: raw, yes, it was three weeks. Because it was the raw after capital punishment, the very and, first
0: raw after no, because he won a contenders match and pointed out that he was going to be challenging on the day his contract expires. Yeah, and that was the start but of that episode the of raw. Next week was when he then had the r truth won the tables match against John Cena, and uh, I,
1: think I, I think it's the same episode. But by the by, that's 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 the no, time I'm scale. I'm pretty
0: certain that Punk. I'm pretty certain that Punk won a contender's match, made the announcement. That was like the f- ending of that episode, and then the next episode's the pipe bomb promo. Mm. Well,
1: we will have to agree to disagree.
0: But it was one uh, of those... I mean, you was, I remember you saying that you couldn't quite believe that our um, truth was made a challenger for John Cena's t- It seemed like uh, we were reaching like a nadir
1: well, because it was of the, the main event
0: scene, because it was also like uh, The Miz had just been the WWE champion, mm. um, you know...
1: Well, because it was the summer months after my first year at university, I was able to um, watch watch them at a friend's house, mm. the pay-per-views. And I actually stayed up for some reason to watch Truth versus John
0: Cena. Um, the, the key thing I remember, it's like we're not shitting on Truth as a performer, but it was just such a sudden, yeah. you're a main eventer now. It was like, what? And he's like, his, his big weapon of choice against John Cena was a bottle of water. Oh, John.
1: I forgot. I had forgotten about that specific bit. Uh, I remember when he tried to secede from the WWE and came down dressed as a revolutionary trooper. Uh, well, that's its that...
0: own statement within itself, really. Yeah, you could have done something interesting with that, to be honest. With yeah, truth. Uh, but no.
1: Um, our truth. Nothing wrong with r truth. The person mm-hmm. and and at the time of recording, uh, he is one of the uh wor- creative workhorses in terms of the stuff he's doing with the 24-7 title he's
0: obg why not <laughs> yeah
1: a beautiful segment uh,
0: um <clears throat> um so there's this sense of like everything is really really drab and depressing as far as the wrestling scene was going at that point i suppose oh no
1: yeah wwe creatively was in a very weak place
0: yeah yeah and then suddenly, and CM Punk, and the story, I remember reading the news stories like weeks before the announcement that Punk was seriously considering leaving the WWE when his contract expired. So there was legitimacy, or at least they were planting the seeds of it, you know, how much of its work and how much of its shoot, you know, remains to be, Uh, will always be up in the air, because I don't think even the people participating would, know, would remember at this point what was work and what was shoot's. Yeah, or um, be
1: willing to give you an honest account.
0: Yeah, and so then Punk lays out the pipe bomb promo, and it's interesting to look back at it. Um, we did cover that in great
1: detail. The pipe yeah, bomb promo. we
0: did, did. Didn't we do an episode about the pipe bomb five years on or something like? We that? We did. So yes, we planned to do. It. I don't know if we ever actually did it.
1: Almost, I think it's out there. Uh, if you can, you can um, obviously look at our back catalogue and well, see. Well, that's if it's what I'm there.
0: trying to do whilst we're talking. But uh, we might as well re um, revise our opinions of it anyway. Yeah. Um, it was that. I mean, it wasn't like the first time that shoot elements have been brought into wrestling, but it was maybe one of the most honest examples of it because it yeah. was there was always a certain amount of control to certain shoot elements that you could tell, and this one really genuinely. Although there were there were there were points in it that I thought were noticeable. Um but what he, what um what struck me looking back at it was the, the there were just those things that you're not supposed to talk about that he just flat out said, you know, when this comp this company will be over that's when Vincent Mann's dead. I but mean I remember that getting law yeah, Do for son in law and, and uh daughter will take over. And you knew that... And I guess there was maybe also a bit of an honesty, too, that because Punk, you know, felt this stuff... Mm. You know, you'd always thought that Punk had felt this stuff. No, I don't think we did do it in the end. I think we planned Uh -uh. to, and we never did. I'm just looking at the episode list, and I don't think we did. Um, So this is kind of it now. But, um... And what what struck me as well was not just that the wrestling fans were talking about it, but places that I was going to for non-wrestling stuff mentioned that promo. I remember it was brought up in like a movie podcast I listened to. And I remember it being brought up in a TV podcast that I listened to. And it was being covered on like mainstream outlets that didn't really cover wrestling, that now do cover wrestling a lot more. Yeah. So it was clearly making some sort of cultural penetration, even if, like I said, the TV ratings never went up or particularly. I don't even think the, I don't even think the buy rate was that high necessarily for Money in the Bank, but it made wrestling feel important, and it made <clears throat> the section of fans that hated John Cena feel more legitimised because what John Cena ultimately symbolised was the management, as they say in sort of the video package of it. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if they ever got it, but it's like Vince, I think Vince McMahon genuinely sees John Cena as his greatest ever employee, like his favourite guy ever.
1: I could see that, yes, especially because he's been the most loyal. If you look at the major stars he's had, uh, Austin Austin walked out, Hogan batted for the other team. He never caused a scandal. Yeah.
0: He did everything that was asked of him. He did far more, like, publicity stuff than Stone Cold Steve Austin had to do, or, or you know, and like you say, he didn't leave, like, The Rock. He wasn't a giant pain in the ass like Hulk Hogan, you know. Yeah. And he was always presented as the strongest character on screen, almost entirely. When he had to lose, he did lose. He had that weird mini-run where he pretty much lost all the time between two injuries. Mm. Uh, Like, I remember he lost to Triple H, uh, he lost to Randy Orton several times, he lost to Batista in a SummerSlam match. I think he even lost to JBL in one match. So it wasn't that John Cena was ever against losing. Like, of those figureheads, era-defining figureheads of, like, Bruno Sammartino, Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and now John Cena. He must have, like, the most visible losses out of any of them.
1: Well, yeah, but... That's not really fair, because he he, he was on weekly television compared to Bruno. You know where I'm coming from. He'd lose
0: cleanly to certain people. He'd lose cleanly to Triple H. He'd lose cleanly to Shawn Michaels. Also, partly that was because he was coming at the time of the two brands, even though he was always the figurehead of Raw, and therefore the figurehead of the the promotion. Yeah. Uh, So there was a certain amount of having to have more main event talent, and if they're main event talent, then they kind of should be beating other main event talent. You know what I mean?
1: Um,
0: But... CM Punk was it was such an interesting one because, like, he, he, you knew that he was trying to work within the system, but he was never comfortable within it. You know, he wanted yes. to. He always wanted to break the system. He never wanted to really, truly work with mm-hmm. it. And that was the reason that he chose to stay on because he. And... He, he said afterwards because he said he wanted to change it from within, but then, yeah, he was incredibly disillusioned with that. I think almost immediately afterwards.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at his, like, uh, WWE career before this point, uh, without ECW and without Paul Heyman wanting him on ECW, um, would he have even had the space to grow and develop in the eyes of WWE fans?
0: Um, I don't know for certain, but he was also given pushes and opportunities that were so... Sort of qualified pushes, you know. Yeah, they he were. He was given the money in the bank in WrestleMania 24 because Jeff Hardy got busted for drugs uh, possessions. He won the ECW title because John Morrison got busted for drugs possessions yeah. as well. Um, so he had a certain, like I said, in the previous CM Punk episode, he's he's got some genetic gifts that were lucky for him. He's good. He was a good-looking guy. He was tall enough. Uh, you know, he came at a time when it didn't, you know, much like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels' time at the top came when they needed relatively clean, not larger-than-life characters. Yeah. And Punk came at a time when it was that fracturing of society. Um, And like I said, wrestling's never gonna, I don't think wrestling's ever gonna get that mainstream it's the biggest thing in the world like it was in 98-99, but I don't think anything will be as big as wrestling was in 98-99 again you know mm. and not not just like wrestling, but i mean like you know south park was that huge i don't think a, a, like a new cartoon show could be as huge as south park now
1: yeah i like, think there's too
0: many there's too many different places. platforms yeah 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 i like i hadn't i i hadn't heard like ed sheeran songs or nicki minaj songs or anything like that for years before i finally saw what they were and you know very quickly it was like oh well i don't need any of that in my life um you know, so but it was like, like I said, it was penetrating those little cultural buildings that I'd set up for myself anyway. You know, with the whole yeah, uh, movies, podcasts, TV podcasts, and, and that stuff. So it was that sense of okay, this is something. Why is it? Why is it punk? And I guess it's because just in the name, punk, he defines anti-establishment, even when he's working within the establishment system. You know? Yeah. Um, and if you look creatively.
1: Um, the establishment had not served him well. Punk, when he did win Money in the Bank he, at WrestleMania 24, uh, Cashin successfully had a feud with JBL, where his straight edge lifestyle was pretty much mocked by JBL.
0: Yeah, but it was the only thing. Yeah, and, but, uh, I mean that's the bad guy saying it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and he didn't lose that; he forfeited the title because he was yeah, attacked backstage with a That was, that was, yeah, the championship that was Scramble.
0: shocking horseshit. And uh... yeah. And then he was made to. He was always made to look weaker than Randy Orton every time they feuded with each other. Like at the WrestleMania before this, he'd lost to Randy Orton. Yeah, and then like the next month, he lost the Last Man Standing match to Randy Orton. And so it wasn't
1: just. And a little aside, it wasn't just uh, Punk that looked weak throughout that because basically in the run up to that, uh, Randy fought each member of the New Nexus, and if he beat them, they couldn't be ringside for that match. Mm. And he picked them off one by one by one by one. Well, you know, the Nexus
0: through. is a whole other thing you know but yeah but punk was so punk remained over and he kept getting i mean i think you just have to look at look at that royal rumble where punk's with the new nexus and he's basically the defining part of the first half of that match yeah and then when it is down to him and cena when cena throws out every member of the nexus that was in there and it's just down to him and punk yeah crowds losing their mind and that's through the work of Punk as much as anything. Mm. And then later on in that match, long after CM Punk's been disposed of, when Cena and Randy Orton tried to do that Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior recreation. And I remember they did it twice. Fans didn't give a shit either time. Yeah. <laughs> and it is think,
1: weird because yeah. uh, I remember Cena, after I think he got a lot of the new X and Punk out, briefly had a uh, alliance with Hornswoggle in that rumble. That was a weird rumble.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was the weird It was one of the weirdest ones as well because it like ended with Santina Marella and Alberto Del Rio, and it was a forty man rumble and everything. Yeah, but it was an interesting one. It's one that I wouldn't. I don't think I wouldn't mind going back and rewatching. You know, there's certain rumbles that sort of bleed together. That one was a unique experience. Mm. Um, so yeah, CM Punk worked within the system well. Like he did great stuff against Jeff Hardy. Um, is Straight Edge Society when he was given the platform. And and the previous Royal Rumble, again, he was... The 2010 Royal Rumble, which is a personal favourite of mine. He dominated, like, the first third of that or so. Going through loads of people until... uh, Not John Cena this time, but Triple H... Turned up and dumped him out. (laughs) But I I loved CM Punk's work in that. And I think you could tell at that point that they, at the very least, respected his vocal abilities. Like, the verbal... You know, they allowed him to cut yes. promos in the middle of a match. Or I think they had him cut a promo in the middle of the Elimination Chamber match that happened the next month as well. Mm-hmm. Um You don't, so you don't get to saw lead two factions without
1: yeah. have being somewhat viewed as a mouthpiece in when that organisation. When he was
0: out injured, they put him on the commentary table. So it's obviously that at the very least they saw him as a talker. And yeah. they had him attack John Cena. They clearly saw him as a guy... Like, maybe at the level of, like, an edge was going to be. Yeah. But CM Punk obviously saw himself as, as more than that. Like we've always said, CM Punk has a very, very healthy, well, well-maintained well ego. Yeah. yeah. I know, and that's kind of what you need to have in this sort of environment, in the main event scene and everything. Well,
1: in life, I think you need to have... Confidence, and he certainly had that.
0: Yeah, whether it was an overabundance of confidence, that's up to the individual to think. Yeah. But like you say, then he all he and he said all he ever wanted was this microphone. I think that's what he meant. Was like I think he knew that any shortcoming that he might have had in his look or his output or his appearance or his. Um, unusual alternative lifestyle that maybe Vince McMahon and, and the WWE officials wouldn't get and don't understand yeah he could make them ignore that if you just gave him the microphone and didn't give him a scripted promo and let him talk because like famously a, a writer would turn up to see him with a with a speech written out for him and he would make a point every time of ripping it up in front of them <laughs> I... still so yeah, I think I missed that bit. What?
1: What's so, we're just going? having
0: some uh, technical difficulties. We'll be back with you in a few moments. But let's just recap. Uh, I will read. Oh yep yeah, you're right. Yeah, cool.
1: Continue. Back. Don't know if you'll keep that in or not.
0: I will <laughs> not be editing this.
1: Yeah, in it raw
0: apologies to everyone
1: uh, who wears earphones and listens yeah, to this yes i
0: didn't i didn't deamplify that <laughs>
1: uh yeah it's uh, punk punk's charisma was there for everyone to see and wwe if you have charisma will allow you to get to the top and have your shortcomings masked
0: if they discover that you have charisma yes because there were a lot of wrestlers out there that after the fact they were like you know when they were let out, like, say, someone like Juice Robinson. You're like, this guy's one of the most charismatic guys in wrestling. Mm. But, you know, and this was even before Vince McMahon could get his hands on him. He wasn't quite there, you know, with his whole CJ Parker eco-warrior gimmick that he had in NXT.
1: Well, Drew McIntyre, I mean, part of it was Drew not being mature enough, um, ended up in 3MB, and he had to leave to become Drew Galloway and come back. And now look at him.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's nothing. It's not a bad thing to look at, um, <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing.
1: It's um men and Vince is.
0: Yes, he very much is. But you know, but the thing is, like, he was given his opportunities, and actually, I think that's as much his fault that he didn't quite get there the first yeah. round. Yes, correct. Because uh, he didn't quite have it all yet at that point, and he does no. have it more now.
1: It's weird because he didn't have the look then. He looks a lot better now as well. Well, like, he was there's, weird. His physical attributes well, I think as well.
0: Just the beard suits him. The hairier chest, the hairy chest suits him, and he just yes. bulked up a bit as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think the ponytail ever suits him either. That looks stupid. Yeah. Uh, but we're not talking about Drew McIntyre. We're talking about CM Punk. But maybe there wouldn't have been a, a world for Drew McIntyre to have reinvented himself. If it weren't for what CM Punk did, because like I said, the ripple effects are not just in WWE, but they're being felt outside of this. Because uh, I'll say right now, this is one of my main theses that we're gonna, <sighs> that we're going to be talking about. No pipe bomb promo, no all in, no okay. pipe bomb promo, no AEW.
1: Okay, would you like to expand?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> okay then <laughs> in so far as what he's, no i think what it was was that cm punk was saying that the wwe is in the be all and end all they're not doing it right and there needs to be something there need to be changes and obviously eventually punk wasn't able to make those changes from within but people other than punk made those changes without Similarly, one of the things I think is very significant, and we actually haven't even talked about the match that much at this moment, but one of the most significant things I think about that that match is the t-shirt that CM Punk wears as he makes his entrance. Because that is the first time I saw people out and about in the streets of where I lived in Birmingham and elsewhere and i saw people wearing wrestling shirts and the shirt they were wearing was that cm punk white t-shirt with the red and the black as well it is a good fist. t-shirt cuz it looks like an alternative like rock hardcore band it would look like something that like black flag would wear or you know yeah. or minor threat or, or something like that it looked cool and it was... It didn't have loads of... I remember when I got... I don't really buy merch for the most part. Mm-hmm. And especially not WWE merch. Because it's always got like that that letter of authenticity. Or like, I remember I got a, like a Ravishing Rick Rude t-shirt. Because I, I quite liked it. It was kind of kitschy and ironic. And I thought I could genuinely probably wear this around. And it shows a bit of humour to it. Yeah. But then when I got it, it had this huge fucking stitch on saying Official WWE Merchandise. And I was like... That instantaneously makes this uncool to wear around. So, you know, I didn't wear it. It was just one of those home T-shirts, you know. It was one of your wash day T-shirts or whatever, you know.
1: I used to wear a lot of wrestling merch. Uh, I don't so much anymore. Well, when did you Uh,
0: start wearing it, though?
1: I was starting to buy it on a more consistent basis. Um, One of the first T-shirts I bought was a punk shirt, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't the white one. I bought the grey one with the sort of badge. Star? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, the yeah, star the red, and badge. Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah.
1: I still have that. There's no way I could fit into it now, but I still have it.
0: <laughs> it can be a life goal, I suppose. Kind yeah. Of... I, don't know. I, I
1: bought a medium. I was... That's a, that's a whole what lifetime away. Life. What
0: was that? uh was that like Roger in uh, American Dad? I'm going to go medium. I know I'm a large, but I'm going to say medium. Or were you at that point of medium? <laughs> I, it fit at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. I. So. Yeah. That. That T-shirt. And it was supposed to be like this limited edition. And I suppose it was on the night because there were just like because it, it had the date of the event. And then I remember every yeah. subsequent time you wore that shirt, it didn't have that date on the back of it. But I remember like uh, a comedian I love uh, wore that for a stand-up special. Uh, it was just something that I saw around the place. It was, and that mm. is again, so that's sort of your proto. Bullet Club shirts, the Bullet Club really being the brand that, that followed on from that, that yeah. took that sort of rock and and um, alternative rock iconography, and not making it seem so wrestling focused. You know, I mean, there wasn't it wasn't the wrestler's face on it or anything like that. You know, yeah. it was it was it was like um, logos and names and and designs, and so it was like a secret. You know,
1: and anecdotally, ever since that time. Um, mainly because possibly I've moved to a bigger city, so there's more possibility of seeing it. I have seen more people wear wrestling T-shirts than I can remember before this era.
0: Because, like I said, this started to bring it into those other circles. The Venn diagram of wrestling fan and movie fan suddenly emerged a bit more. Wrestling fan and TV fan, or pop culture fan in general... Because when I was doing that... Because I'd done the Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan show. And I wrote the book about it. And I was saying, I don't think that wrestling's ever going to get the geek-chic cachet that it that it ever has. That, yeah. it ever, that it did, like, at that point, to be, like, a Doctor Who fan. Or to be a Star Wars fan. There was a certain amount of social acceptability and... Also, social understanding of it, yeah. Um, like the one, that I the way that I it's a weird way of saying it, but I think you would have known if wrestling had truly made it. And I don't think it ever did, but I stopped watching any episodes of it quite a while ago. If any of the characters in Big Bang Theory were suddenly wrestling fans for the for an episode, you know, yeah, you know what I mean. Like Big Bang makes the cultural references that they think enough people will get. For yes. a mainstream show, so people know what Star Wars is, they know what Star Trek is, they know what Marvel is, they know what Game of Thrones is. Mm. And if they thought that wrestling had reached that point and they also associated it with like geek culture, which I they do would've... think wrestling is a part of.
1: Yeah.
0: Then it would have you know, I don't maybe they did, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I can imagine they would have made Raj a wrestling fan for some reason, <laughs> probably because he's into soap operas or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh no, I can't. I, well, I stopped watching Big Bang Theory like after like season it wasn't four as bad or five. As people
0: said it was, you know.
1: Yeah, but it just didn't hold it was attention. Just
0: lazy after a while. Yeah, but um, yeah.
1: um... Not unlike the creative process before this match.
0: (laughs) Very much so. Imagine if if Sheldon just suddenly broke character in an episode and started talking (laughs) about the shit. I mean, Charlie Sheen kind of did that in Two and a Half Men, didn't he? Yeah. And the Simpsons, I guess, have addressed that people don't like their stuff as much anymore. But, you know.
1: What are you going to do, eh? Like, there's people... Fourth Wall's always an interesting one
0: because
1: mm. uh, there's good ways of breaking it and there's bad ways of breaking it. Uh, like little bits of example. Uh, one great example is, oh, I can't know, Harold and Kumar in 3D where mm-hmm. um, there's one bit where um, Harold is talking to someone and then the guy points directly at the camera because it's in 3D and you to oh, all the finger. And uh, Harold just goes, what are you pointing at? And just looks, around, and it's him just looking around with him in there, and it's just an empty room. He's like, what are you doing?
0: So we're making some weird references in this episode. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, dear. Um,
0: okay, so we're at the point where most of these episodes would end. So let's start with the match. So, um, this is a weird one, but you know which match I think This most reminds me of of the previous matches we've covered in Mm. all episodes, including debriefs. I'll give you a couple of goes at guessing what match I'm thinking of. Mm
1: -hmm. There's the obvious... I don't know why, but I've got Michael's Mankind as an alternate that we had Uh, in my head.
0: uh, Yeah, but not really.
1: Mm. Give me a clue. Uh...
0: This is a really big clue, but it's not a five star match, technically.
1: No, it's gone. I'm sorry.
0: It was one of the debriefs. It's... Oh, uh,
1: you're going to go for the uh, cage match? No. No. No, I'm, I'm,
0: going a- I'm a- David Boy Smith versus Bret Hart. Oh,
1: okay. Yes, yes. Home field advantage. Yes, yes. I, mm. I can see that.
0: Uh, Because that was also another thing that I always thought would help Punk when he got into the WWE was the fact that he was from Chicago. And Chicago is famously raced as like the hottest city in when the WWE, like, Mm -hmm. I remember like they were saying how how much it helped Chris Jericho when he made his debut that he made it in Chicago because they're always like a really loud crowd.
1: And in the match commentary for this match itself, uh, Jerry Lawler refer I think Lawler or Cole referred to the fact that Chicago is a wrestling hotbed. Uh, and they like paint it towards that. Well, you've got a amped up town anyway. Before you factor in that it's one of their own.
0: And punk had always associated himself with with Chicago. He was always... you know. Some people thought that CM stood for Chicago Made, and I think that was what one of the band one of the one of the signs said at yeah. the time. Um, uh, yeah, he always associates himself with Chicago culture, and you know, it's like how a band have a you know, it's like how Nirvana were always. Yeah, synonymous you, with Seattle. You look at, um, Prince Prince was always synonymous with Minneapolis, and his love for the Blackhawks as well. So mm, you mm. know he's got oh, he's just loved sport thing. in general, the Cubs as well. I think yeah. Um, and Chicago, you know, Chicago's a huge city. Um, technically, uh, I'm twinned with Birmingham. Uh, so I do always. So I I support the Chicago sports teams because of that. Did uh, not know that Yeah, yeah Part of because
1: of the um, Al Capone and the Peaky Blinders <laughs> They both like gangsters going on uh,
0: But I also, I think it was also because um, but it was One of the main reasons was because It allowed me to support Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the 90s ah, Without to be glory I grabbing. See. you know yeah. I, I've got a reason for this Well that also meant I've had to support Chicago Bulls for all the years Since Michael Jordan's been gone and they've won fuck all yeah. uh, Since then um, and so, yeah, and I chose the Cubs over the White Sox because at that point they still haven't won the World Series, so I genuinely had a little bit of a, yay, when, when they won the World Series at last a couple of years ago. Um, did you see that, when they won the when they won the World Series, and my like Bill yeah, Murray that, was, like, crying?
1: <laughs> it was, like, a couple of years ago now, yeah, isn't yeah, it? That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I love I love that those little cubs curses and just I love little narratives in sport hence why I was just, one of the reasons I'm a wrestling fan cuz that's what wrestling does it creates that narrative and they really lean into um obviously the narrative cuz the narrative for this match is beautiful I love like I one of the reasons I was really looking forward to this match is because I got to watch the hype pr- package before.
0: Do I have everybody's attention now? Yeah, just echoing it through. I loved um,
1: in the build up the contract negotiation promo mm. and uh, uh, the bit when he brings where... up ice cream bars.
0: Yeah, and I remember then they had the poster of that year's TLC was CM Punk with an ice cream bar that had like tight like ladders on it or something mm. like that. But, but they never, never saw... them. I don't know. If that, to be fair, I think like getting a food product probably does have to go through a whole load of hassle that i think that's why duty to took so long and as well doesn't you know so yeah. i would have thought if it was that easy to do in 98 wwe would have done their stone cold branded beer yeah immediately so you probably have to go through a lot of legal hoops to mm. get to that stone cold had an aftershave yeah that's that's what everyone wants isn't it yeah the only reason i know that is because um as well because i think
1: it was a skull uh thing the only reason i know is because gabriel inglesias was clearly talking to stone cold about it one on one of his podcasts and then a few days later he tweeted going i told you i had
0: it and it's a picture of the thing uh yeah what was i gonna say i did have something then but no, it's the
1: same reason the food thing's always a struggle. Same reason Bootios took so long.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was that. It was that weird thing. I think it was also CM Punk saying, "This used to be good," and he just owned Vincent Man in that in that uh, yeah. promo. You know, saying, "I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll." And you'll Love it. like it. And again, it was that weird thing of treading that fine line between. And he was saying stuff that people wanted to say to Vince McMahon's face for years. Yeah. When he said, "You know, Vince McMahon, what a maneuver!" You know, that's like that's anyone that grew up in the nineties where Vince was the head commentator, just getting so shit driving crazy. I love the bit when. Do you think Punk uh, Vince Man had any idea about what that was? What I love though is that Vince Man did play it up because then he made like a way more obscure reference than Punk ever did. Because he was given like a a a chair and he sat on it and it was way too low down. Because you know what Vince is like, yeah. And he said something like, "Oh, what is this chair for?" Sky low, low, referencing like a midget wrestler from the (laughs) like the early (laughs) eighties. So it's Always not a classic power chair a as well. Doesn't know this stuff. He just thinks it's irrelevant, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, he just wants to keep it as. I don't think he likes inside references broadly because he like he wants people but to be he able to plug and plug so
0: bla- much now. Yeah. But this is this is like we. we I I, I want to do a whole episode about this, and I think we mentioned it in like the wrestling fan show. But like, what is crazy about wrestling now? Is that within the and and the pipe bomb again is one of the key points of that the Montreal Screwjob was probably the one that really kicked it off more than anything, and all the stuff that ECW had been doing in the mid nineties. But within the reality of wrestling, wrestling isn't real. Yeah, that's what's so crazy about it. You know,
1: is that they've accepted that and worked with it.
0: That they're essentially saying, you know, this isn't real. Cause, like I said, like Vin, like Punk doesn't really have a leg to stand on, legitimately. If you present it as it is on screen, it's like I always said. It would have been like if Bret Hart, when he was in the Hart Foundation in like 1989, cutting a promo saying he was better than Hulk Hogan, and yeah. you just go, "But you didn't body slam Andre the Giant, you know?"
1: Yeah, it's like you've he not held the title for over a year. Yeah, it's
0: it's like someone who plays for uh, Stoke City saying they're better than Lionel Messi. It's just, you're not. Someone who's, like, number 100 in the world at uh, tennis saying they're better than Serena Williams, if they're a woman, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh. I'm <laughs> doing a job, McEnroe. Um, oh. But you, you get where I'm coming from. Like, on screen, you know, Punk has been losing to Orton. He's been losing to John Cena several times, you know. Yeah.
1: Like he he forfeited one of his title reigns because he couldn't defend it yeah, as yeah. well.
0: So yeah, he's, he's you know he's so just been a guy. So you have to look beyond that. You have to look at like wrestling as something more than who's got the most wins and who's got the most losses. Yes, because like I think jo- I think Vince Man says like the tried to make it a thing where Vince said like I don't think you can beat CM Punk or something like that, and it's like what mm. what on earth are you talking about? I remember a year earlier when John Cena got attacked by the Nexus, he'd just been handing CM Punk his ass in the match, building up to it. Yeah. It, That's yeah, it's... funny as well, isn't it, that it was a CM Punk-John Cena match the year before, around that time, that kicked off the first sort of, huh, maybe they're going to do something exciting, and then just like, you know, oh no. No, no. Cena. Yeah, no. Cena wins, lol. That was another yeah. meme at the time.
1: Oh, the, wow, the whole where the original mm. Nexus got, bur- like, not buried, but pretty much buried by him as well.
0: Mm. Which even uh, Cena's admitted he shouldn't have done. In- like, it was one of the few yeah. times where you can associate Cena's behaviour with that of, like, a Hulk Hogan, or, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so we get to the match. Um, in case you're wondering why the buzzing sometimes goes in and out, Simon is wrestling manfully with a with a cough, uh, so he's muting for our, for the sake of our ears. At various points. So, that's that's the reason behind it. How's it going, Simon? How are you doing?
1: So I'm, I'm doing this because I care.
0: <laughs> so, the match. <laughs> Obviously, another thing that we see very early on, like, Punk makes his entrance. And what's so funny as well is how it starts is that Punk doesn't, like, burst through, like, a, a, a ceiling or anything like that, you know? Yeah. He doesn't have, like, an Austin 316 glass thing to shatter, which could have been really good symbolically, or he's not rappelling down from the raft- rafters. He just quite nonchalantly strolls out at first uh, after the crowd's just been, you know... the WWE milked it really well, you know, leaving the crowd to chant CM Punk for, like, 30 seconds or so before Punk made his entrance.
1: That's the great bit. They had their points, and they let them breathe...
0: Mm. But uh, yeah, that's just my note here. Punk plays the crowd like a fiddle. yeah. He, then he does the it's clobbering time, makes his way into the rings. Well, he stands on the second rope and, and then just he just screams goes, what's, what's, my what's my fucking, fucking name.
1: <laughs> love it.
0: And then he's just uh, encouraging the crowd to get louder and louder. And then he does a circle round. Then John Cena basically recreates his ECW one night stand against Rob Van Dam entrance of just defiantly... Marching to the ring with his belt in the air,
1: yeah, and that's—I uh, think—that's what helped this match is that Cena had previous of being in this situation. Mm. Um, he was, but then again, he was switched on enough to recognize the situation at One Night Stand. Mm. So,
0: and what's also interesting as well with this one is that one of the things CM Punk's always been brilliant at doing is making you believe he truly hates his opponents. Yeah, Like he was great at that in Ring of Honor With Raven and um, Jimmy Rave and Christopher Daniels And all these other guys that he feuded with Like you really got across the hatred When he was feuding with Jeff Hardy Mm. And when he was feuding with Randy Orton Because I think that was one that was genuine Like uh, (laughs) uh, Neither party had much time for the other one Yeah But it's what is interesting is that he said you know one of the bits he said in the in the pipe bomb promo was i don't hate you john it's basically i hate everything around you yeah and it's like someone can like robert downey jr as an actor but despise the whole hollywood machine behind no pun intended him with iron man and the marvel cinematic universe and all that i yeah. think that that's killing the cinema you know the the movie industry, but still admiring guys like Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans or whatever as actors, and appreciating that this is kind of the only way they can make a good living. This is yeah. Living. This is how they get to the top table. This is how they make the money. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that and so when John Cena's making this thing and, and the Chicago fans are all hating his guts, he's there applauding him, and obviously half sarcastically, but it is just that sense of. This fight, is, I'm fighting something more than you. you know? Yeah. And also, what's uh, in hindsight, what's quite a sad sight at that time. Side, so do you know what I'm talking about? Who he's uh, who he's, he goes out and uh, speaks alongside. to, yeah, yeah. Bless it. The the little second city saints reunion. Yeah. Which will not be happening at a wrestling convention near you anytime soon.
1: No. Never say never, but that's as
0: close that's as you're as gonna close get to never as you're gonna get yeah. <laughs> um uh with colton a steel and also his sort of adopted family there as well because he gives his shirt to his not his mum, but like the woman that helped raise him yeah um so he kind of seizes his mum. yeah um but yeah So, Cole, it's funny as well, they they really pushed the the historical significance of the title in this one. Like, Michael Cole reels off this list of all the great champions of the past, Mm. and... uh, Because it's
1: about more than the belt, it's about the belt's survival.
0: Yeah, and that's why, Vince Russo, the belt is more than a prop. Yeah. You know, you've got to... You've got to attach... And the WWE, for the most part, have always done that, I think... With With the WWE the title. title. The other things like the tag team titles or the intercontinental title or whatever, <sighs> their significance comes and goes. And the universal title hasn't had any great favours done to it. Uh, it's, yeah. And outside of, like, you know, your, your Jinder Mahal range or something,
1: you know. That, that's that's my point. There's Whenever there's been two world titles, the secondary one does not get the respect that the first one gets.
0: And also, at this point, it's an ugly monstrosity of a belt. And that was kind of, again, like, the the significance of it, because it wasn't just that that was John Cena's belt, that was the belt. I think Mm -hmm. Punk made a point of how ugly it was, but he had to keep carrying it around with him. Yeah, and then the moment The Rock wins, yeah. (laughs) Uh, He finally, you know, redoes it, and that must have really pissed off. See, See, the fact they never
1: redid it when Punk won it shows.
0: They were the wearing. qualified
1: nature of it, I guess.
0: They were working on it, and Punk had said in an interview that he'd seen it, and he wasn't a huge fan of the new design either. Ah. <laughs> so, it's no pleasing some people. But yeah, they should have, you know. <clears and throat> they, they should have, it should have always been like, you know, when, when Stone Cold Steve Austin wasn't champion, they weren't making all the other wrestlers walk around with the smoking skull belt when they were world champ. Yeah, you know? that, was, that was Austin's. Yeah. It's his thing. Uh, he probably wouldn't want that he'd probably like go even
1: further to try and take that back off of other people
0: yeah well that was the storyline after he won the world title back at Wrestlemania 15 his next demand was that he get back that smoking skull belt and so The Rock just stole that (laughs) so that was the build up of their their rematch was The Rock holding a possession whereas apparently they made a Brahma bull belt Mm -hmm. for The Rock but he never ended up wearing it uh, on screen.
1: See, that would have been cool, because then you'd have had...
0: If that happened now, there's no way they wouldn't have pulled the trigger
1: on that because of well, merch. I don't
0: think they'd need to now, because what they do now, which I I do like, is the personalised side plates. Yes, yes, I do like so that. So I don't think they'll ever need to do the whole ridiculous unique belt. They've just got... The, the side plates allow them to... So if you have a favorite wrestler, you can have that particular wrestler's side plates for your for your merch, for the, for your purchased belt. and it's a great way of making extra money because oh the God.
1: side plates come extra.
0: They will always find ways to make extra money. Um. So also the other match. That this is obviously one that you want to cite and compare it to, is our one other CM Punk five star match, which is him against Samoa Joe. And one thing that I did notice structurally within the match is what they would do in both instances. And so this must've been punk really pushing for it is variants of how the trademark moves work. Mm. The pretty much in all instances, when they go for one of their trademark moves, it's blocked initially. And then they often find a creative way of doing a variant of it. Yes. Like, uh, CM Punk's step up, knee in the corner. Uh, John Cena dodges it and he hits the, the corner himself with the knee. So later on in the match, when he's got John Cena up against, literally up against the ropes, he reinvents it and turns it into basically a springboard knee off the second rope. So it's like, it's not in the corner anymore. Yeah. And he really does seem to clock John Cena good in that moment. If, if he didn't, that was fantastically worse. And it's, uh, Cena's... But it does seem like he just kneed him in the face in that moment. Yeah it's
1: AA the way that Punk creatively keeps trying to find keeps finding ways out of that as well so when Cena does hit the AA it's got much more significance behind it than if Punk had just wriggled out of it kept wriggling out of it if you know what I mean but it's
0: not just that it's like CM Punk finds a way to evade the um, the the you can't see me mm. um, and he escapes it first time but then John Cena hits it again a second time. Uh, or when he goes for his top rope leg drop, CM Punk avoids it first time, and then John Cena hits it the second time. Um, when he, when he, you know, he goes for the STF at one point, CM Punk escapes, and then he actually locks it on, so there is that genuine fear of what's going to happen. And it does make you wonder, say, because one thing that's also noticeable watching is how much, especially in the second half of the match, is John Cena in control? Like, he seems to control the majority of this match and Punk's fighting underneath. And, like, mm. like you know, when he when it's coming towards the end, there is no great big CM Punk flurry, particularly. Yeah. There's no, like... You thought maybe what he could have done if they really wanted to get the crowd going apeshit was him doing the Hulk-up or something. Like, John Cena does the AA to him and then... Because he did this in, like, his... a not farewell, farewell match against Austin Aries, where Austin Aries hit, like, his finisher 450 moon, uh, four fifty splash on him, and then Punk, like, kicked out. I don't think he kicked out at one, but when he did kick out, he did, like, the Hulk, uh, you know, like... Yeah. ...getting up to his knees and screaming to the crowd. Punk never did that in this match, which is interested me. But here's the question. If Punk had decided, I'm not staying... Yeah. ...how would they have booked this match...
1: Because if Cena had won it, that would have been...
0: I don't think that guy with the sign was right. I don't think they would have rioted. No. Because it's fucking wrestling. Get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a very sour atmosphere. Um, there would have had been some form of a screw job element to it. Well, they had
1: the briefcase, so you could have just had Del Rio win and then... Just Double down,
0: but they never wanted it to. The, th- the weird thing with the money in the bank thing is it always feels like a certain amount of delegitimacies is added to a belt almost immediately, uh, because it, it removes the champion's advantage as much as it brings an excitement to it. And it's yeah, played brilliantly in this one.
1: Very, very hard for a face to hold that brief. Maybe they
0: would have done it that Alberto they would have done it like Seth Rollins esque, where Alberto Del Rio would have cashed in. Mid-match. Toward mid-match. And, and maybe Punk would have hit go to sleep. Alberto throws him out of the ring and then pins John Cena himself and gets the yeah. belts. And so CM Punk can have his farewell. Not and, lose. You know, not lose and ride off into the sunset and, like, maybe he'll come back one day. Uh-huh. Maybe that's how they would have gone with it. Because I can't see them. <sighs> like, I, you know, Punk would have been a professional because, you know, God knows how many times you had to owe one to Vin- Vince Odin one after the fact, yeah. you, know, uh, with, you know, when you had Pipe Bomb number two, essentially, <laughs> that caused even greater effects to maybe both the, the, the lives of Punk and Carl uh, um, Cabana. Um, it, it's weird, because actually, one of the things I actually also noticed was the crowd was at such a fever pitch at the start... Do you they think they burnt them, out a little early? Well, that's the thing, They brought them down and they never really brought them back up until the very finish, you know? I wanted like a they wanted like a fever pitch throughout the whole match like say Hogan Rock at WrestleMania yeah. 18 or something like that.
1: Uh, well that was more of a 50-50 split whereas this is obviously a it massive a 50-50 pub.
0: split. And whatever split there was was very much going towards Hulk Hogan as the match progressed.
1: True, true. Sorry, that was a poor example. It was a 55... Well, it was, it was different, though, because they were, none of them were leaving. Mm. Whereas, I guess, if you had people that you both knew were definitely leaving, they actually both got booed, but Lesnar Goldberg was a walking disaster when they did it the first time round. That was
0: like one of the notes I made at the uh, crowd. so hot they don't even have to do much. Because they don't do that much in the match, really. There's a few topes, there's a few big moves, but it's like... Compared to what Cena was doing a year or so later during the U.S. Open Challenge, where they're throwing out every move in the book, this is a relatively like like with the Joe Punk match. It's a relatively contained, you know, working within certain self-set limitations.
1: Yeah, well, you you don't have to do a lot sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you should take advantage of that, and that's yeah. what they do. Yeah. If they if they had this crowd and did a lot, how much further could you have gone, really? Like, and to what cost? At some point, it's detrimental to your health. It's detrimental to maybe the match. Maybe you'd try and do too much and go too far. You know, hmm. greed and hubris and all that.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just making this note of all these things that like they hit it earlier on and then they miss it later on. Or well, they miss it earlier on and then they hit it later on. Like, like John Cena goes for a five-knuckle shuffle. Punk evades. Uh, then he hits a springboard clothesline, but he misses that. And that's when C- John Cena's able to hit the five-knuckle shuffle. Um, then, uh, like I said, he tries to do the running knee. John Cena evades him. Um, Cena turns a GTS attempt into a gut-wrench suplex. What's also interesting as well in this match is... I've always said like WWE is as close as you get to being able to study a benign dictatorship. (laughs) Rest like WWE is almost like North Korea in a weird way. In a weird way. Right. Less murder. (laughs) You know. Not no murder. Well Yeah, exactly. I can't say no murder. I can say a lot less. (laughs) Um But like they try to change history and they try to deny the reality of what's happening. Like there's a point where Booker T especially in the commentary of this match, they're all essentially pro Cena, pro WWE. Yeah. Uh Michael Cole like is encouraging John Cena at one point to, to win the match and, and demand like trying to get Punk to tap out. But it does make sense though. Well Booker yeah, but then Booker T tries to claim that this is like Rocky Four and the Chicago crowd starting to cheer John Cena on. And it was like, shut the fuck up. There are there were very tiny pockets pocket. around the place. Yeah, but it's
1: yeah, it's never like There's that
0: weird dude that goes to all the wrestling events with the white jacket. <laughs> but you know, screw that guy. <laughs> um, oh, don't go,
1: don't start me on wrestling fans that wear the same well, stuff. When punch
0: making his escape, that you can cut, you kind of see like the, the the Grand Slam, don't you? You get the full. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think you see Sign guy, but you see you see Brock Lesnar guy. You see, um... And to be fair, that was before Brock Lesnar guy was Brock Lesnar guy, wasn't it? Yeah. Brock um, Lesnar guy started,
1: uh, a of years later.
0: After after that, because he lost to yeah. The Rock, didn't he? Uh, because when he's blowing the kiss and that, and there's, uh... There's the clown next to him, and there's the white jacket guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we just jumped ahead of ourselves a bit there. I think my favourite sequence in the whole match is CM Punk goes for cross body the crossbody of top rope. Yeah. John Cena reverses that into an AA. CM Punk escapes that and goes for a GTS. John Cena catches the knee and turns it into an STF. Crowd is really losing it at that point, similar to when uh, Bret Hart gets the sharpshooter on the British Bulldog. At that is a really
1: smooth segment, and I, I, I'm with you. I think that is my favourite. But it's not, not even bit. finished yet. Yeah. Because
0: then... CM Punk turns that into the Anaconda Vice, which gets the crowd going shit, And then John Cena powers out of that and turns it into the AA. Yeah. It's
1: just beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful segment. Then, now we had this... I am skipping slightly ahead, uh, but it's a point I want to raise. We had this conversation when we talked about uh, the Mankind Michaels match. Uh, it's not quite the same, but... Do you feel the involvement of Vince and John Laurinaitis has a negative impact on the match quality or not?
0: I feel like this is is more than a match. It is more than a match. So therefore, extracurricular elements kind of make sense. Just like the, the, the Hell in a Cell match was more than just that match. It was also about Kane's debut and it was all that sort of stuff. True. So it fit within the context of what that match was supposed to be all about, anyway, which was the 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 chosen one of the corporate choice mm. against the people's choice, and so you need to have that corporate presence on screen. Yeah. Also, it allows us to see John Cena hit probably the stiffest shot of his entire wrestling career. Yeah. When he. Fucking clobbers Johnny Ace, five star recipient Johnny Ace. Maybe, maybe Johnny Ace have been saying something about, "Well, you better make a five star match out of this guy," because you know I've done that bad boy myself at least a couple of times. Completed it, mate. <laughs> so oh. i have got three five star uh, wrestlers involved in this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I. And they don't directly involve themselves in it physically, ultimately. Yeah. And it is John Cena's, like... It's a good little escape for John Cena without. whilst it's still basically a clean victory for Punk. Yeah. It's, it's Vince's... It's well-booked it's well as far as making both men look good coming out of it.
1: It's sort of like Vince's fear uh, costs him what he's trying to defend.
0: Mm. Which is what I, I always like. Like his lack of trust in John Cena. Yeah. His lack of trust in anyone.
1: Yeah, and it's weird because you see vulnerable Vince.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the thing. That's always been the thing that people say is the difference between Vince compared to, like, Shane and Stephanie. Yeah. And and also uh, sort of Triple H. He was never against looking ridiculous yeah. on screen. But you hadn't
1: seen it for a long time, mm. I think, at that point.
0: Yeah. But there's also that whole unrehearsed nature of it that, that made it feel real when, when Vince McMahon afterwards, like, snatches the headset off of a... I think it's Jerry Lawler. Yeah, and he says, i okay, starts screaming for Del and you know, you know, that's not them talking to the audience as commentators. Yeah, that's him talking to the guy at the back in the truck. You know, the you know the mm. person that's already been telling Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler and Booker T to really big up John Cena at the expense of CM Punk. Um, so they they, it's a weird thing of like that self realization. They are aware of their limits. It's Just like how. WWE is very aware that a lot of what they do is shit but they can't stop themselves doing it, you know. You know what I mean? Uh I think they literally came out a few months ago and admitted the show hadn't been good. Yeah. On several different occasions. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think their relationship with the fans is a very weird one. I I, I would say I think I think they think they're good, but I think they're trying to—they're trying to hit everyone, and you can't please everyone. But they keep trying to do that because that's where they think the money is.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. They think that there is that mainstream still out there that we were saying doesn't yeah. really exist that much.
1: Yeah, and Vince doesn't seem to have adapted to that.
0: But it's also like they—they they obviously need to find more people than they have at the moment. Yeah. But they're going about it the wrong way. You don't go about it by trying to make your products dumb everything
1: to everyone, yeah. What? And that's that's what they're trying to do. But in the process, they are cheapening their products somewhat.
0: Yeah, I, you know, we can talk about this for ages, and we have, and we will. Um, let's try and keep it to this match, as it were. Uh, we're kind of coming towards the end of the match itself. Yeah, John Cena does very... John Cena does exasperated very well. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as as CM Punk keeps kicking out of this stuff, he's just like, fuck's sake. Because, like I said, in in the match, in the context of the match, John Cena kind of dominates proceedings for the most part, especially in the second half. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because he's working heel, essentially, to this crowd, like I said, like like Bret Hart was to David Boy Smith.
1: Yeah. He's, um... Yeah, he's working... You know, he's working in heel, but in a way which pisses off the crowd more because he's not really doing anything heelish to Punk.
0: What's heelish is that they're obviously still determined to make him look strong. Yeah. And so he does that at the... um, But I think that's a good way to explain it, really.
1: Because if they hadn't made him look strong, the intrigue for a rematch would have been less, you know?
0: Yeah, but but there's that thing of, like, it's, the, it's that sense of, well, you know, they thought he can't wrestle, but yeah. he's dominating a wrestling match. And they say that in the match at the start. They're chanting, you can't wrestle John Cena, you know, incorrectly. But they're saying, you can't wrestle. Yeah. Uh, to which CM Punk looks confusingly to the crowd and said, do you mean me?
1: Oh, I love that.
0: <laughs> oh, you mean him? <laughs> oh, okay. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, Wait Punk
1: Works Crowds is really really good.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um and you can see that within. I mean, let's talk about John Cena for a bit because this is the only five-star match he's had and you would assume given where his career is now, probably will be this only five-star match. Yeah. How much is John Cena like where would you how would you rate him as a wrestler? <sighs> Because there was an interesting Ooh. point someone made recently and I think I was going to save it for our review of the year but I think it says what's happening now on screen with WWE kind of makes you appreciate how good John Cena was at at least making some of this shit work Yeah, and drawing in an audience because now that John Cena's not there no one's able to turn this thing into gold of any kind.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have him as good to great I wouldn't put him in like a world class pantheon or anything like that. Um, but there were times he was given more than he could do in terms of a wrestling opponent. Uh, but if he was with someone half decent and above,
0: I don't know. We got some good matches out of the great Carly, and that's not (laughs) easy. Struggle in
1: itself, yeah. Uh, I guess the trouble is with Cena is there was always seemed to be like a Thanos like inevitability to his feuds that he would mm-hmm. win. So he was reasonable.
0: like, a... yeah, but that was always the same with Hulk Hogan. So why, you know why that, that was always the same with stone cold Steve Austin. So why do we shit on it? Is it because the problem was that John Cena's coming at this time for the first time
1: where when we I, think about it, when probably. we think
0: about he, he's kind of the first champ to come at this time of star ratings being seen yeah. as more significant.
1: And with the development of social media, where more yeah. people can
0: share their, opinions. I think the problem was, was like when he when he first was made the champ and was being pushed, he was being pushed ahead of like Chris Jericho and Kurt yeah. Angle and Edge, and guys that you knew were having better matches and were probably better wrestlers. Yeah. And that contingent of audience was starting to become more and more vocal. Because, and I think, like I said, I've always said, the problem with John Cena really is that for the first time, my generation of wrestling fans that make up so much of this CM Punk contingent, that CM Punk kind of unified together,
1: mm.
0: were not being directly built worked, like, the product was not for them anymore. It wasn't yes. targeted specifically at them. When it was Hulk Hogan, when they were kids, when it was Bret Hart, when they were teenagers, when it was the Attitude Era, when they were, you know, horny teenagers and, and, and the Stroke like. Stroke angry young men. Yeah. yeah, angry young men. It was always marketed towards them.
1: Yeah, but, but life moves on without you sometimes. And yeah, but, Cena, but Cena... a lot of people
0: don't want to move on nowadays. <laughs> we're, we're, You know, that perpetual adolescence. Yeah, that we're in. But
1: that... that... Not, not everyone's going to cater to your whim, though. Like, whenever I went to a house still, show...
0: that's the thing. They were all still going and watching WWE, whereas I looked elsewhere. Yeah. I looked to people that yeah. did not cater but... to... the were catering to me, like Ring of Honor, but a lot of petulant man-children mm. <laughs> decided they were just going to stay and moan about it all the time.
1: Yeah, but you, you look at who will spend the money, and it is typically families or you know, people with children, because they want their children to have like nice things and their children to be happy and children don't really have a concept of money uh, as such. You look at all the house shows I was going to during this time and like the few years afterwards, and the t- televised events, Cena was where the merch was, Cena was where the money was.
0: But that's because he was the only one that was being given all the merch, you know? It's like that story of uh, when Austin...
1: But if no one went, bought was, it, they wouldn't carry carried but,
0: on. Yeah, but if no one was there to sell it, like, CM Punk outsold C- uh, John Cena, didn't he? When they yeah. finally started making the merch for him. Yeah. But that's the point. They weren't making the merch for him before for him to prove them mm. otherwise. But,
1: ultimately, they're going to keep targeting, in the PG area, children more than men.
0: Yeah. but my Because children are more they, valuable they, they than They still men. think that the deck is stacked against anyone that could do better than John Cena. Mm. That's, the, that's the point. And, like... Like, you can see in this match, John Cena still can't do a great STF. His Fisherman Suplex is the worst Fisherman Suplex ever. It's just a suplex where he taps your leg. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's no Mr. Perfect element to it. No.
1: Wow, that... There's a reason it's called the Perfect Plex, after
0: all. Yeah, but you get where I'm coming from, don't you? Like, that's not a Fisherman's Buster. That's not a Blue Thunderbomb. That's not, you know... That's not that's not how you do it but yet the guy who does it gets tap out wins with that version of it
1: yeah yeah it's like the rocks version of the sharpshooter we could we could pull apart anything i think it's the
0: basic problem is it's a combination of things i think john cena the character was a weakly defined character and like i said it's because my fundamental thesis another one vince man doesn't know what a good person is So he gives attributes to John Cena that a good person wouldn't have. Case in point, two weeks after the fact, Rey Mysterio wins a tournament to win the title and John Cena challenges him to a title match on that very show. So Rey Mysterio, who's already had a match takes on John Cena. Who's fresh as a daisy. And doesn't he say it's the right thing to do Ray or something like that? Like guilt trips him. It's like, that's not the actions of a good person. A Mm. good person either wrestles a qualifying match to wrestle, Rey Mysterio, or they wrestle the next week. Yeah. Well, Well,
1: the only claimed hat Cena would have had is he would have been number one contender, and they did have automatic rematches back then.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't a money in the bank thing where you get to choose when and where it happens. The champ can say, fuck you, I just won this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but. Because no,
0: no, if John Cena was a good... And they tried to make out as if John Cena was a good person when he won money in the bank, because then he said, oh, I'm definitely going to challenge it at this event against yeah. CM Punk.
1: I, I did love the Big Show just rinsing him the entire time. Yeah. You're a moron. What yeah. are you doing?
0: <laughs> so that's. The I, thing, I, remember like, I
1: remember the week before when Big Show has laid out Punk, and, and he's just screaming at Cena to like, do it, and yeah. Cena's like, no! No! And Big Show's just got his head in his hands like ah...
0: Oh. But it's that whole hypocrisy of it as well. And and like the, like you yeah. said, the jo- but and that's why, to go I, back think that's why your... I think that's why, you know, John to... Cena, everyone was always desperate for him to turn heel. To go back to
1: your John Cena Rey Mysterio point, because Vince writes his baby faces in a certain way. Um Ray could never have rejected that challenge in the way that Rey Mysterio as a character was written. Rey Mysterio was like baby faces like take on all comers at all yeah, times,
0: but a baby face doesn't take advantage of a situation like that, like John yeah. Cena was doing. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I accept that, but I'm just saying, like. The logical thing would have been for Ray to go, no, earn it. But that's a heel thing to do. For no, it's
0: not though. That's not, that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that he shouldn't have been challenged in the first place. No, no, yeah. Cause to challenge him is not the babyface thing to do. Yeah. And John Cena's I, the I'm, ultimate baby face.
1: What I'm saying is I'm latching on to your point and expanding upon it by saying, because Vince or because WWE as a whole can't really get baby faces Right. Uh, as much as they should be able to, Ray could have easily gone no and still been a babyface. But in their head, he couldn't have. That's the point I'm making.
0: No, in their head, it was we've got to get this belt onto John Cena because CM Punk's coming back tonight and we want them both to be holding the belts together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they had an end goal in mind. But you could have waited a week. You could have done that. Cena could have won next week and you'd have still had your moment.
0: Do you think CM Punk should have not come back for ages, or do you think they had to bring him back immediately? Uh,
1: I've... I can see it from both sides. Um, one side says strike while the iron's hot. People are talking about this right now. There's a lot of buzz right now. Let's do this. And then nightmare scenario is, what if you had waited and Cena had got injured, and then you've lost all your momentum?
0: I mean, it didn't have to be about Cena. They could have built another Gaia. They could have built Randy Orton up. They could have built Rey Mysterio up. They could have yeah. built uh, Alberto in the, Del Rio. In, the, in
1: their head, when they started this, that was their end goal.
0: Yeah. And... I think maybe if it had happened now, with social media being what it is now, mm. maybe they would have allowed CM Punk some more time away. Because he would have been like, so premin- prominent on Instagram and Twitter. and they could, could have... have as well because they've got the relationship
1: and the trouble is the relationship's so obvious because everyone knows about it but he could have gone to Evolve and physically defended it as well
0: well that was always the thing I always noticed about CM Punk's pipe bomb it was always that one you can notice a little thing where it's like I think he either asked for it or he wasn't given permission to say TNA Because at that point, TNA was the nearest competition. So when he says, maybe I'll go and defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor, it was like those were two promotions that WWE didn't see as a problem. They wouldn't say it now. Also, CM Punk's relationship with TNA wasn't the
1: best anyway. No,
0: it wasn't. But if CM Punk wanted to annoy Vince McMahon, that's the most annoying thing you could have said to him. Yeah, I
1: think CM Punk... Are you
0: telling me that CM Punk doesn't say things just to annoy some people sometimes?
1: But what I am saying is, whilst that it could be true, uh, I think CM Point, Punk believes those who have slighted him
0: mm.
1: not giving them the satisfaction outweighs him and doing things just to annoy people.
0: I think that there's... I think it's very noticeable that the actual number two promotion in the world was not being mentioned in that promo. I think that was deliberate on both parties. Yeah. Quite. Quite so... Because then they did play it up later on. And again, it was like John Cena was given special dispensation because then when Vince McMahon said he was going to fire him, he says, I'll go and send my business elsewhere, brother. Mm. Which was the implication, because Hulk Hogan was at TNA at the time, wasn't he? Or he was just about to join it. Oh, I can't remember. Mem- I Hulk's
1: relationship with TNA is, is weird.
0: Hulk was synony- Hulk was involved with TNA at that yeah. point.
1: He didn't even need the TNA reference uh, there because obviously no, Hulk, you- Hulk well- went to uh, Ted,
0: didn't he? No, that's not what they were referencing there because he says, "I will ply my trade elsewhere, brother." Yeah. Well, there was no WCW, so no one's thinking WCW. They know what the elsewhere is by that. I phrase. bet more the more of the casual fans, would have
1: made that connection.
0: The the casual fans wouldn't have got it.
1: Uh, they knew a lot more like lapsed slash casual fans would have known what WCW was. I'm saying, think
0: I think that's a stretch. I think that's a stretch. Hmm. Because, no, I, I, that's a real stretch on your part there. Simon, so, mean, I have to disagree with you there wholeheartedly. Well,
1: we'll have to agree to disagree then.
0: I don't agree to that.
1: <laughs> but I, I agree that you have the right to not agree to my ability to agree to disagree.
0: Oh, what is this, a lawsuit? Anyway. Uh, do we want to keep talking about this? We're just about to approach the 90-minute point, so we're coming to the end of the CM Punk-Chris Hero match. <coughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think that's... That's one thing I was always shocked, because they then went on to have some really great rematches. Yeah. Like, one of my favourite moments in wrestling, uh, was when Punk hit the pile driver on John Cena. That is a very yeah. good
1: match, that episode of Raw.
0: Yeah. And I think Punk always thought that they should have had the final blow-off match at WrestleMania. I think he kind of maybe saw this as, like, the, um, Tanahashi-Okada feud. Yeah. WWE.
1: Well, he said he he wouldn't have even minded being in that Rock Cena match as a triple threat, and then just be eliminated. Eliminate
0: well, that was that's the thing. Like, if CM Punk had done that whole pipe bomb promo, and they hadn't already set in stone that John Cena was going to wrestle the Rock at the next WrestleMania, yeah, and then obviously Invisible Man's mind was it was going to they were going to have the rematch of the next one. <laughs> CM Punk would have headlined one of those two WrestleManias. Yeah. I'm sure of that. So it's a kind of because it was so weird that CM Punk said, "Oh, I failed because I didn't main event WrestleMania." And it was, I don't know where that belief comes from. Because um, well, if, I know where it if, comes if from a man that. has because he, certain... he wanted to prove himself, he wanted to prove he could work within that system and make them a dear to him as well. Yeah, but it was just you know, and 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 he, he you know, he ultimately he always knew that he wouldn't be Vincent McMahon's guy, but he wanted to somehow. Disprove that. Well, he was never ultimately Vince's guy. Is you know just look at they had John Cena over against John Laurinaitis headline ahead a pay per view whilst Punk was champ. You know they were insulting Punk every yeah. step of the way. You know nothing changed when Punk came back. He lost on the next three pay per views in a row. Mm. You know you knew it from the start that there was only so much you could they could that do. God
1: awful match with oh the whole Triple H thing blah that that feud.
0: But then they gave him the 434-day reign as champion, you know, and they allowed him to basically be the best of the rest, yeah. essentially. But there's a ch- difference between being the champ and the champ, and, and it was like a slightly less insulting version of his first world heavyweight title run on Raw. Mm.
1: It's a fiddly one. It's a, it's a very complex situation. This is
0: thing, I was always surprised that they never had Punk and Cena do a 60-minute draw. I thought that was what was going to happen with the, when they were going to do the reverse of this when they had the Night of Champions match at Boston. Yeah. I thought, if there's ever going to be a 60-minute draw, this will be the one that they do it. And they did end in a draw. Um, and it's not like John Cena couldn't go long because he'd had like that 52-minute match with Shawn Michaels in London a few yeah. years before then. And CM Punk obviously knew he could go long and loved going long. So, I, was, I always thought that they might. Maybe if they'd have kept going, maybe CM Punk had stayed around and they'd reignited the feud, maybe they would have had their 60 minute match. I think they feel like if it's a 60 minute match, they have to say it's an Iron Man match so people know what to prepare for. But. Yeah. I've already said my issue with Iron Man matches.
1: Um, well, yeah. Well, anything with a clock on it sometimes can.
0: Um, so, what's there left to say now at this point?
1: I think we just go into our ratings.
0: Well, there's so much more to talk about. Really? Like I said, no, no, no pipe bomb, no bullet club, or at least no bullet club starting to, it's a combination of things, you know? Yeah. But this was one of those factors, and I don't think, I think this is a key cog in the wheel of showing that, that, that building sense, like, from this, like, maybe there wouldn't be any desire for people to know more about the shoot elements. That obviously opened up the shoot world of wrestling a bit more to some people. hmm And so I... Maybe, maybe no pipe bomb. The Wrestling Observer isn't as important as it is right now. And Dave Answer isn't getting trolled by everyone. <laughs> every, left, everyone right center. left, right, and centre. right, and centre. And actually responding to them. Uh, which is just foolishness, in my opinion. Um... He's picked his path, he's sticking with it. He's picked his bath? Path. Oh, path. It's like, who picks a bath?
1: Ah, oh, well, if you're renovating a bathroom, loads of people do then.
0: I like 42 new tubs. You know, we have a special sale on 50. I said 42!
1: <laughs> oh, I want to keep it that way! <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Oh, boy.
1: Here are two free passes. There fun. were five of us. I said here are two free passes.
0: That's better. <laughs> uh, and, and and look, all you know, AEW is so much about fuck you WWE. Yeah. It really is. And the first guy to get m- make a lot of money off of saying fuck you WWE was, was CM Punk. Punk.
1: Yeah. But he made it within the system. And the
0: Young Bucks, yeah, but that was the thing. And then they saw the limitations within that system because he couldn't change it. Yeah. No one can change it. Until a big company comes in and buys it, no one can change the culture of the WWE. And maybe that will never happen.
1: Maybe. And,
0: and if a big company buys it, then there could be a whole different kind of corporate culture and we could get WCW version 2.0. Oh, God. <laughs> exactly.
1: That was horrid. Right. <laughs>
0: um, what was the end, anyway? But you know what I mean? I, I, I genuinely think, and, and the fact is that everyone really hopes that some AEW show one day, Cult of Personality starts up. Yeah. Uh... CM Punk walks out. And until CM Punk is, like, in his mid-40s, maybe, I think that still will be the, the dream of a lot of people. Yeah. And it might happen. You never know. Uh, I think because he's just like one of the.
1: He just resonates with people, I guess, in a sense, because yeah. he got to. Like Stone Cold, in a sense, he got to go, I'm not going to do what my boss tells me.
0: Well, what was the significance when he was doing that Pipe Bomb promo? Famously, he was wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin t shirt whilst he was doing that.
1: I think that's one of Punk's regrets, is that they never. Because they never got that, or. Ah, just have, like a proper interaction with Stone Cold.
0: Well, they did that one for a video game mm. where JR was sitting between them and they did kind of fan those flames of what would happen. There was, I think if going uh, to come back for anything, it would have been a match with Punk.
1: Yeah, there was one bit where they, fit, they deliberately filmed Punk walking out, I think it was out of WrestleMania, from behind because they wanted that as a side-by-side side ah. for a promo package. Uh, that was bought up at one point. Yeah... He's the cl-
0: C- I- CM Punk got as big as a wrestler's allowed to get in the John Cena era. Yeah. You know? No one got no one got bigger and made more of a cultural impact in wrestling than John Cena uh, than CM Punk during that time. So again, he's not a failure in anyone's no. eyes except maybe his own. Which but, is a shame.
1: Yeah. That's people do that to themselves though. But
0: that I guess that whole stubborn nature of punk is why we got this and why we got everything after it as well, <laughs> yeah, and and everything that we're having to this day. Um, so would you give it five stars? Uh yeah, I
1: would. I loved it at the time. Love it now.
0: I think it's again, it's one of those things where I'm like, like the Masao Saruta match. I'm not sure that the match in and of itself is five stars, but everything surrounding it is. Mm. And I think that was that was that was a factor for Dave Meltzer's rating as well. I think.
1: Yeah, I I. You know how, obviously, I try and just take it...
0: You're kind of giving five stars for the, the pipe bomb through to CM Punk escaping through the crowd and putting the championship belt in a fridge and post, and that's Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the whole thing you're giving from start to finish. That's what you're giving five stars to.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's difficult because I just try and look in-ring as much as possible, but I simply can't for this. I I watched it week at week at the time. I loved it. I love the fact I didn't know what was gonna happen next. Mm. Oh, just at the time it's beautiful. T- mm. It is a great way to build a match, tell a story, and make advantage of the situation you're in. They blurred the lines, they
0: I don't love blurred lines. The song, the implication, or when they use it in wrestling that much. Yeah. But this was one of the times that it worked.
1: I think it's, it's one of the best things that we do. He's ever done storyline-wise.
0: So, this has been a long one. <sighs> the movie in this time.
1: <laughs> now, I think if people listen to this when they're out and about, we should we should recommend don't watch movies and drive or yeah. anything like that.
0: Yeah, and like if you're watching a movie whilst listening to this podcast, like make it a silent movie. I don't know. Is <laughs> it like? Use no. subtitles? Some people can multitask. I can't, but No, not 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 to that extent, I can't. I tell you what I did do once though, I went and saw Looper at the cinema and the director, Ryan Johnson, had recorded a podcast commentary. So I like after I'd seen I'd seen the film and then I downloaded the podcast and went into the cinema and watched it with the with his commentary in my headphones. Okay. Uh, the the cinemas don't love that, especially if you've got it like top volume. <laughs> so you got to be careful. I was in a fairly secluded area, and at one point he did ask me to cough to see if anyone else around there would cough as well. No, no one else coughed. So uh, I'm just saying the audience out there for live DVD, uh, DVD commentaries is <laughs> maybe a bit smaller than that for uh, pro wrestling podcasts. And again, that's another thing: podcasts like maybe this whole glut of podcast well you know that's the podcast culture was a culture before then and after them um and because uh, he'd done them he was the first one to do the art of wrestling with Colt banner i think that was before the pipe bomb as well
1: uh yeah no he um yeah he was a um definitely that podcast with Colt, the the the, the one though that that one i think that... Uh, more than anything, got people into the idea of, oh, this is what's really happening. This is how they really feel that raw nature, uh, and that's why recently, when Dean Ambrose uh, left WWE and returned to his John Moxley roots, everyone was scrambling to see what he would say, where he would say it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was yeah, that was like well, that was kind of you know if basically if Punk had left when there was an AEW then he would have had that moment that John Moxley had. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. I'm just trying to find something, sorry.
1: And as uh, Maybe Punk will come back to wrestling, maybe he won't, but he... He's comfortable doing whatever he wants to do.
0: Yeah. Well, if, if, if Punk never comes back, he's always got this. Yeah. And this is genuinely, like, to the Smarkton world, this is probably our Hogan Andre.
1: Yes.
0: You know, this is as big as it felt. It felt big again. It felt cool. For a brief moment, it felt like wrestling was cool, CM Punk was cool, and by extension, because you liked him, you were cool, and his yep. t-shirt was cool. Yeah. That's you weird. haven't really felt that since the Attitude Era days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think the the chiming bells are giving us a sign to wrap it up, si. <laughs> Uh What's our next episode? Because I ain't going to be talking about this one for 90 minutes.
1: Uh, it is uh, the Unbreakable Michael Elgin versus Davy Richards Ring of Honor, 31st of March
0: 2012. So, yeah, th- we'd waited f- five years for one. This one was... Slightly under uh, nine months. months. Eight, nine months. Yeah, so So some guy really wanted to celebrate... If a couple really wanted to celebrate CM Punk's victory, afterwards, (laughs) as it was reaching fruition, would be time to watch
1: this match.
0: Actually, that was the thing. You watched this live. Let's quickly talk about that. Um, You watched this live. So what was the reaction like for that?
1: I I remember the moment that he won... Mm. uh, my mate just going, no, he's he's not going to leave with the title. Something's going to happen now.
0: Did you watch that in a pub?
1: No, no, no. I watched it at a friend's house. Oh, okay. I wish I'd watched it in a pub. I
0: got up early for work. Yeah. Um, so I, like, fast forward. I was shocked to see Daniel Bryan win the Money in the Bank as well beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then when Punk won, I genuinely did sort of do a little jump of, of joy. And I think it's the final chapter of my book, um, which I am currently... Working towards doing a revised version, so kind of uh, looking back on that, it's going to be fun. <laughs> but yeah, also no pipe bomb, no Daniel Bryan winning the world title, maybe no pipe bomb, no NXT in its yeah. current form. You know, all sorts of things. But for a nail, you know, a man lost a kingdom. True. Or whatever. That, however that poem went <clears throat> Anyway, if people want to get in touch with us, Simon. And write 90 minute long email screeds. How can they do so?
1: Then get to touch me on Twitter. Where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free, free for the number of five star participants in this match.
0: My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L A for alternative, N for the N in punk. That's my Twitter handle. That's my email address. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it. Uh, Facebook, Let's Box. Uh, I think I said Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. But anyway, there's nothing left for now except to say, my name's Lorcan Mullen.
1: My name's Simon Cross.
0: Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Walking down the street, hand in
1: don't keep them other guys. And that one night I was looking at you but It's alright and that's okay Who could blame them anyway
0: You're so pretty
1: and you ain't even got a clue Cause everywhere we go girl you're the star of the show